A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Fiji wins the Pacific's first ever Youth Olympics medal. We chat with the new Samoan cricket coach and check in on progress towards the 2015 Pacific Games. But first, Papua New Guinea has won the AFL International Cup in dramatic fashion at the weekend, edging Ireland 45-42 in a dramatic final in Melbourne to regain the title they last won in 2008. Head coach David Lake says the win was all the more satisfying, having lost to the same opponent in the final three years ago. The last time in 2011 when we lost at the Island, we had a good group. There was a lot of experienced players, but I'd only been involved with them for a short period of time. Whereas this time when I looked in the room, we were very young, and these kids are through our, our development programs, and this is five or six years' work. The 17, 18-year-olds from last time are 2021, and, and we asked the 2021, 22s to be, well, now 25, to be the veterans and stand up and lead the young fellas. To see them do that, and I looked around the room, we've been involved over that period with 90 to 95% of these boys, so you really knew what you had as people. You did have a couple of uh, hiccups in terms of injuries there in that game, which perhaps made it a bit tricky, and you had to come from behind as well. So with all that history that the the teams have between them and obviously what was on the line, did, did that make it all the more satisfying? Johnny James and Amur Parika are the two guys that you speak of. Amur was our uh, kick six and nine and three, and then Johnny James came into the tournament with he'd come off a hamstring in the competition he plays in Queensland. And we always knew we had to manage the boys through. And then Amua's knee. It was a credit to them to even get out on the ground. And, and they need, knew they needed to because they were the leaders of the group. In, in a lot of ways, they found a way to be out there. But we also couldn't leave them out there all of the time. But, and you started to look around and say, you know, we're going to need two, three, four, five percent from a lot of other fellas here to balance off. That was what was incredible. And the way we worked and worked and worked. You know, Gideon Simon, Theo Kaburi, John Ikupu, uh, Laurie Logo. We found it from other places. And that's what was exciting is that the next generation, I suppose, took their position. But, yeah, we were concerned that we certainly weren't able to put them away as early as we would have liked to have. Yeah, after that first quarter, you're trailing by a couple of goals there. I guess in the con- I mean, it's not a huge deficit, but in the context of what was a, a really close match with uh, that wasn't a high scorer, did you did you have some concern at that point, or were you always confident that they could get back into it? We started slow, and I was worried, as I said, the two key players that couldn't give us what they wanted to give us. And I'll give Andrew Cad though, because we worked together as a team on this. He ran the board, I coached the group, and he made a comment to me uh at the start of the last quarter, he said, we need to make a decision. Do we want to win this game or do we just want to stay in it? And, and at that point, we moved John Ikuku onto Big Mick Finn. Mick Finn had certainly given us trouble. He kicked a lot of goals. He was certainly he was the one that was going to put the game away. And we moved Jeffrey Namidi into the ruck, who was also very good. So we swapped them two over. And Ikuku actually, so he, he spent most of the time in the back half in the last quarter. But he came forward and kicked that goal. Namaki took in the goal square to seal the game. He was actually, he started to pull back. And he just watched the play evolve when he got himself around the back of the game. And Laurie Logo, the guy that actually kicked it in, it was like a, it was an alley-oop. You could see his intention. And, uh, and little Theo Gavuri thought he was going to mark it. And all he ended up with was a split lip off John Ikupu's knee. So it was, quite, uh, it was quite exciting, actually, the way it finished. 
we were sort of coming, coming slowly, slowly, pressure, pressure, and we found our way in the end. It was terrific. You talked about you know the development of the group over the past three years and some of the changes within the squad. The last International Cup was your first in charge of the Mosquitoes team, and I guess you had a bit of more time on your hand this time around. Um, with another victory in the bag after 2008, what happens now? How, do, how does this group develop? How do you sort of look ahead for the next three years? Well, I think we just continue to develop their uh, their footy skills. Their instinct is natural. That's the beauty of PNG. Like we, they play the game, and Ireland and New Zealand tend to react to what they do. So that's one gift that we've got. But we, we just need to continue to spend time rounding them off as people and giving them life opportunities so that they can balance up. There was some, a couple of 17-year-olds, Carter Seawee and Luke Sabiri, in the squad yesterday, and it was as much important that they have game time and get out there and, and realise what it's all about. And, and we made sure that they participated, regardless of the consequence, because that makes them want more, and then they teach the next lot. So we need to continue to have an environment, I, I guess, that's for solid people that can play footy as opposed to good football players. And I think that's where Andrew Caggio's done a great job over the last 10 years, just improving that bit by bit, you know, having the boys in academies where they, they go to school and they have to live and eat and sleep and learn and, and play footy and develop as people as opposed to just footballers. I think we just continue down that path. And, and I think the other thing there was their thirst for actually to learn the modern game was also an, a, a real thing that stood out for me. And if we can continue to get kids that want to learn how to play modern footy, maybe we will see players from Indigenous environments play AFL footy. How do you feel about the development of AFL in the Pacific Nations? Obviously, you've had a few years um, you know, dealing with the PNG boys and, and we've got the uh, South Pacific teams and the under-16 teams and all the various tournaments that happen. Uh, do you feel like it's in a good place? From PNG's point of view, it's about visas and funding. From New Zealand's point of view, it's very structured. Robbie Van Sam does a terrific job over there. There's no doubt that if we can get these kids like Shemta Tupu and Kurt Heatherly into environments that they can learn to play the Australian way, certainly it moves them forward. But I think PNG and New Zealand are obviously the stronger of the nation, but there's a lot of talent, but it's just having the resources and uh, probably more the financial resources to actually continue to want to find these kids and, and pluck that one a million athlete because it's not for everyone. Everyone wants to play, but the, the gifted one that plays AFL... Uh, we all know they're few and far between. It's very difficult. Are you still keen to remain involved with the team after this success? It's one of those things. My mum always says to me, she said, I, know, I don't care if you don't go to church. She said, Dave, I think you run your own church. And I must say, the PNG people for me, they give me so much in terms of respect and opportunity. And, uh, and I sometimes think that they're teaching me about life as opposed to me teaching them about uh, footy. So it's a great combination. It's something that makes me feel uh, good inside when I can help them. And, uh, and, and as long as uh, they'll continue to have me, I'll continue to want to do it because I, I think it's one of the most fulfilling experiences I've, I've had in footy and to be there on the G with them last night is very, very special. After losing it in such tough circumstances three years ago to come back and, and, and get that victory, I guess uh, three years from now you guys will be the hunted. That's funny, I was saying the other day that I think South Africa are going to be the ones that are going to cause everyone a bit of trouble. Yes, we'll be the hunted, but everybody get ready to play South Africa. Wow, have they improved? And have they learnt so much about the modern game, their body type, their athleticism, their skill level? They're amazing. And as I said, it'll be South Africa versus who next time? Write that one in your little book and uh, let's see how far I go. I'm saying South Africa PNG. That's the Papua New Guinea AFL coach David Lake. Meanwhile, the other Pacific countries also impressed over the past two weeks. Tonga finished 6th, Nauru 7th and Fiji 10th of the 18 men's teams. Whilst in the women's playoff matches, Fiji edged out Tonga in the battle for fifth place. And six Pacific men and two women were selected in the tournament's world teams.
Fiji has won the Pacific's first ever Youth Olympics medal at the 2014 Games in Nanjing in China, with the men's sevens team defeating Kenya 12-0 last week in the bronze medal match. The medal is Fiji's second at an Olympic level, following Iliasa Delana's high jump gold at the 2012 Paralympics. Sevens coach Saleh Saravaki says while it wasn't the colour they had hoped for, it's still a big achievement. It's the first ever Olympic medal for Fiji and we're proud of that achievement. And I think it's the first Youth Olympic medal for a Pacific country as well. Um, going in, did you think you had a chance at the gold or France and Argentina, I guess, set the pace in the sevens for the men? Uh, were they quite strong? We came into this tournament, we had a chance at a medal. Uh, it was a colour that probably not what we had wanted, but uh, nonetheless. We were talking to the, the officials of the, the French and Argentinian uh, who were coached by their national um, sevens coaches. Most of the teams had been preparing for, for at least a year. The Kenyans told me they'd been preparing for the last two years. Our boys will come away from this tournament with a whole lot of experience and uh, that is good to see. And of course you guys had a hiccup with you know Ben Ryan not being able to travel your national coach, which meant you had to step into the breach as well there. Did that have any effect uh, once you got there, or was everything still set up and, and, and fine from there? It was unfortunate that Ben could not make the trip. He got injured on the last week before we came. But I'm, I'm sure that you know, the boys knew what was expected of them. And uh, Saleh, while you didn't perhaps get the medal you were hoping for, as you indicated there, uh, you did lose to France and Argentina in pool play as well as Kenya. So to come back and, and beat a team in a medal match uh, that you'd lost to earlier in the tournament must have been satisfying on, on some level, that you'd uh, obviously learnt from some of your mistakes and, and come back and, and got the win. That's right. You know, we, we lost to Kenya the, the day before. For us to beat them again for the bronze medal playoff was quite satisfying for us as a team, and we were happy with that achievement. And in terms of your players, this is the Youth Olympics. It's a, a chance of an international competition, some major global exposure, getting the chance to take the trip and compete for their country. Um, will any of them be contenders for World Series selection in the upcoming season, or do you see it as more you know, into the future that these guys are, are thinking about? We had uh, 10 guys who had never left Fiji in this team, and uh, this is their first ever trip out of Fiji. Uh, having trained in Fiji and uh, then having a look at them, uh, I'm sure that uh, some of these boys will later on probably be in the Fijian uh, 17th along the coming years. But, uh, you know, that's a decision for, for the servants uh, coach to make. And I hope that this has opened up, the eyes opened up uh, on what's out there. That's the Fiji 7's coach at the Youth Olympics, Saleh Soravaki. Anthony Bowler has been appointed as the new head coach of Samoa's men's cricket team. He replaces former player coach Murphy Sewer, who stepped down from both roles following last year's East Asia Pacific T20 Championship. Bowler has been the head coach of the Ellerslie Cricket Club and is a cricket development coordinator at Auckland Cricket. The New Zealander says it's an opportunity he's excited to accept. I was over there doing some work about a year ago, doing some coach development work, and I guess it's just kind of rolled on from there, and it's been a work in progress kind of since there, and found out about a month ago that they were quite keen to... Um, appoint me as coach, which is fantastic. Was it a role that you knew was available or, or vacant, or was it something they approached you about? It was a role that was vacant. Murphy Sewer, he sat down as a player and um, subsequently coach, um, so I, I kind of knew it was available and yeah, approached him about it, and yeah, and there we go. And I guess your, your background is with Ellerslie up in Auckland, and obviously you work at Auckland Cricket at the moment, and I guess Murphy's based there too, isn't he? So you all know each other, I guess, and so it's, it's not exactly a step into the unknown. That's correct. Yeah, Murphy's on the board here at Auckland, and um, I've 
got the coaching background as coach development manager here and um, premier coach at Owlsley. So, yeah, it's not a step into the unknown. Everyone knows each other and it's um, exciting times ahead, really. And, and I guess with a lot of these roles, be it cricket or any other sport, uh, with a number of the Pacific countries, you also do have that balance of you've got players back in, in Samoa in your case, and also there's often, a, as was the case with the Manusina, the women's rugby team recently that went to the World Cup, you know, there's a large base of the players that are in Auckland, which is, of course, you know, the largest Polynesian city. So I guess one of the challenges you have is balancing on those players locally and, and, and afar and, I guess, trying to, you know, get a, get a team out of that. Yeah, that's going to be one of the challenges. We've um, we've got players in Brisbane, we've got players in Auckland, and then locally in Samoa. So the challenge will be monitoring their all all their um their work, and then kind of gelling the team prior to tournament. I'm off to Samoa in a few days, a few weeks' time for a ten day camp to prepare the national um, locally based players. But yeah, that's, that's probably one of the biggest challenges is getting all the players together and on on the um, same wavelength from from three different countries, really. And uh, Anthony, what what was the appeal of the job uh, for you? Just a great opportunity, really, to get involved in um, international cricket. I think I, I set the goal four years ago that I wanted to be an international coach, and somehow I was being an international coach, so um, pretty tough, really. So will there be a, a few lads on the team that are older than yourself? Yeah, one or two, one or two. But that's something, coaching at Owlsley, I've experienced that at the moment, and you know, never had an issue with it. Yeah, there's always that respect there and everyone kind of understands everyone's roles and in the end it's just about getting the best out of everyone no, no matter how old they are. And uh, I guess your first major uh, tournament would be that uh, regional T20 event uh, coming up, uh, I think, in November this year. Uh, you touched on the last one, which uh, I think was in Auckland uh, at the start of uh, 2013. Um, there are seemingly less tournaments than there used to be, so um, you know, important that you guys do as well as you can uh, come November. Yes, that's the key. Um, if there's only the one EAP tournament a year, and if you kind of don't win that, then, then you've got to wait around for the following year's tournament. So it's important we do well in the T20 qualifiers, and if we get through that, then we get through to the next stage of qualifying for the T20 World Cup. And if we finish top four, we then go on for a 50-over competition, and if we win that, we get into World Cricket League 6, uh, which again just provides more regular cricket. Really, that's the key, is to get more regular cricket for these guys. And um, if we want to improve, we need to be challenging ourselves with regular, strong competition. Most of the players that you'll be looking at, they are playing club cricket wherever they are, be it Auckland, Samoa or, or Australia? They are all club cricketers. Alrighty, and uh, you touched on obviously Murphy stepping down both from a playing and coaching role. As, uh, I understand there's been a few other senior guys that have uh, quartered a day as well? Yeah, Jeff and, and Winston, who um, have been around for... A, a number of years and losing that experience is um, is going to hurt. But we've got a, another couple of guys in the team who have um, been playing for a few years and Ben Malada, the, the captain, um, who who will step up. And um, I guess um, that experience from those guys is going to be crucial, um, definitely coming to this tournament. That's the new Samoan cricket coach, Anthony Bowler. Australia has formally accepted their invitation to take part in next year's Pacific Games in Port Moresby and organisers have been advised they will send a full complement of athletes. The Pacific Games Council voted in June to invite both Australia and New Zealand to participate at next year's Games in up to four sports. Port Moresby 2015 Chief Executive Peter Stewart says they expect to hear from New Zealand shortly. He says the move will help to raise the standard of overall competition. 
everybody wants to see the Pacific Games take the next steps. And by including all the athletes from around the, the Pacific, what we do is we help to raise the standard of competition everywhere, but also we help to promote it throughout uh, some very large populations that surround the Pacific in New Zealand and Australia. And we're certainly very pleased to be able to uh, accommodate those athletes when they come. In your discussions with the Pacific Games Council and, and with members and, and I guess with the Australian uh, party that you've just uh, mentioned there, uh, is there any indication as to what level of athlete they're going to be sending? No, we don't, we don't know at the moment uh, what they're intending to do, although I think in uh, some of the sports that we're talking about they need to send their best athletes, otherwise they, uh, they may not have the sort of success that those countries are used to. And uh, what about in terms of logistics and whatnot? Uh, does this require much uh, change or much uh, action from, from your end, from the organisers' point of view, to ensure that these extra nations can be fitted in? In the whole scheme of the number of athletes that are involved, uh, Australia will probably send around 90 if it's a full complement from New Zealand, probably similar. Uh, another 180 athletes onto the 4,000 odd doesn't create any huge problems from our point of view. From a sport operational uh, perspective, again, uh, our, our numbers are able to accommodate the, the competition schedules that we need. Nearing the end of August, uh, those months keep uh, ticking over. The uh, page is in the calendar. It gets ever closer to July 2015, well under a year to go now. Uh, how, how is the progress looking? We're very pleased with how things are progressing. The last few weeks we've seen some big announcements. We've appointed our ceremonies, opening and closing ceremonies producer, which is fantastic from our point of view. Uh, we have appointed a number of our major contractors for services, so village catering, village cleaning, a number of key services that we need to, to provide to the athletes. We have our full staff complement on, certainly from a management point of view, uh, and we'll start to fill the rest of the staff positions in the next few months. So from a progress point of view, a lot of things have happened uh, over the last few months, which have been the culmination of many months of planning. So it hasn't all happened at once, but uh, now we're getting closer to the game. Every day, effectively, there's announcements. And uh, Peter, has there been any flow-on effect, uh, both in terms of, uh, or maybe in the sense of just sort of excitement, obviously the Commonwealth Games uh, recently in uh, Glasgow, uh, Dikatar and Stephen Curry, uh, who have had success at the Pacific Games in the past, of course winning gold medals, and I know, speaking with them, that they're excited about competing in front of their home supporters as well. Uh, has that raised uh, the interest or the excitement levels leading up to next year? Without a doubt. The Commonwealth Games really gave us a kick-along because all of Papua New Guinea was watching. Our athletes performed exceptionally well, as did a number of other Pacific Nations athletes as well. Kiribati and uh, Samoa, we had some fantastic performances, uh, which bodes well for our games because it means that we've, we've got quality, global quality athletes competing at the Pacific Games. And the public understand that, and so now we are the next cab off the rank. We're the next event that's going to occur, and so everyone's getting pretty excited about that. You touched on the uh, the opening and the closing ceremonies uh, and uh, the theme song or the official song for the games. Uh, I guess that's all part of it. You know, you've got the services and you've got the uh, the events themselves, which are you know primary responsibility, and that's what you have to deliver. But I guess you know part of these sorts of major events is, is the experience and is the overarching sort of thing, and a bit of entertainment as well to to get uh, people uh, really enjoying their time there. So it, it all sort of adds to it. 
the general public in particular don't want to know about the transport and the catering and all those sorts of things. All they want to do is have a good time. And their time, their, their experience is enhanced by things like a fantastic opening and closing ceremony, a great theme song, tremendous sporting performances. They're the things that people will remember about, about the games. And we can see that's all starting to come together now. And it's going to be uniquely Papua New Guinean, but with a very, very strong whole of Pacific flavour. Also remember that it's one of the major events in the 40th anniversary of independence, so it will be a cornerstone of telling the rest of the world just where Papua New Guinea has come over the last 40 years. That's the Pacific Games Chief Executive Officer, Peter Stewart. And before we go, the Samoa Rugby Union has announced that Fuimaono Titimaya Tafua will be the new Samoa Sevens head coach on a two-year deal. Tafua is a previous coach of the Sevens team and also former coach of Manu Samoa, he coached the Sevens team at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow recently. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.